Welcome to the Life Over Coffee podcast, conversations for transformation. Hello, everyone. Rick Thomas here at Life Over Coffee. Thank you so much for joining me. I want to talk a few minutes about growing old. If you are watching or listening to this, then you qualify. Uh, This is something that applies to you either right now or it's going to apply to you in the near future. And for those of you who are old like me, you know the near future is going to come quickly. Uh, As we look back on our lives and it's like, well, we all say the same thing. Uh, Either time flies or where has time gone? Uh, It continues to pick up speed rapidly. And I think it's important for us to come together and to talk about growing old Uh, Some of the things that will apply to all of us is essential to say the quiet part aloud. I know that we think about the optimal health and we we show our youth all the time uh, on these different social platforms as though they are the only people that exist. But the truth is those youth are going to be old just like us, hopefully at some point. Uh, in their lives. And it's important not just to talk about how to mature as young people, but how to continue to mature and to finish well, uh, because the Bible promises that to us. And I hope over the next few moments as we spend time together that we will not only learn how to finish well, but for many of us that we will have a renewed hope that we can finish well. An old pastor told me one time, he said that that Old people will die. Young people may die. And so as long as you are living, well, if you live long enough, then you will grow old and you will be like the rest of us and and death will come for you some point in your future. Now, that is not a bad thing for those of us who have the hope of Christ in our souls. If we have been regenerated, God has imposed himself in our lives, and we know that this is not the end of it all. Actually, it gets better and better. The big word for that is glorification. We live in bodies that are wasting away, as Paul talked about to the Corinthians, that I am wasting away, but I am being renewed day by day. And that is, that is how our lives intersect each other. Our spiritual selves are being renewed daily as our as our old man, as our bodies just waste away back into the dust from whence we came. But for some people, this renewing day by day, it, it, it has a halting feel to it. Uh, it doesn't have the rhythm that we would love to have. Uh, some days are just difficult to get through, and I understand that because I am uh, now part of the older set. Now, I will say that I've, I've never enjoyed any season of my life more than this present season. As of this recording, I am 64 and a half years of age, and I know many of you will be listening to this and think, well, you're just a young pup. Your day has yet to come. And I understand that as I have interacted with many of you, and I I know that there will be more difficult days that will come if I live long enough to experience them. But I've also had a number of hardships in my life, and I I do know in a certain way what these challenges can be and the difficulties of moving through a fallen world as a fallen human being. And I know the temptations of losing hope and, and growing despair. And so in these six decades that I have lived, that's why I say that this has been the best season of all the seasons that I have lived tongue-in-cheek, or maybe not so much tongue-in-cheek. One of the reasons that I say that is 
is because being young comes with a lot of complexities that I am glad <laughs> that are no longer part of my life, or at least not to the degree that they, they were when I was much younger. You see, part of being young is knowing everything. Uh, I became omniscient when I was 19 years of age. I was a late bloomer. Omniscience, omni-knowledge, all knowledge, knowing everything. I know in today's culture, people grow in omniscience when they're 8, 9, and 10 years of age, but that has a lot to do with social media as they are taking in more content than I could ever imagine when I was a child. I mean, if we had the Encyclopedia Britannica, which we did, I mean, that was the internet for me, and, and there was a lid on the amount of information that I could consume, and also we only had three TV channels that I could watch. As I look back on that, those are actually good things, and in many ways, I wish we could go back, and I'll talk about that in in a few moments, go back to those days when there wasn't so much knowledge that's competing for our minds, which does have a direct impact on our ever-increasing uh, fear and growing despair, but more on that, on that later. And so one of the things that I'm glad I left behind in my youth is omniscience. And once I crested the hill or the, the peak of omniscience and went across it, I have been, I have been heading down into the slough of ignorance ever, ever since, the valley of ignorance. And in many ways, ignorance is bliss and the burden of knowing everything. I just don't carry that anymore. And, and sometimes it's just nice to say that I don't know or I'm unsure or I really don't know how to respond to that. I don't have to pretend that I, I know everything. And so omniscience not being my yoke to carry is kind of a cool thing. The other thing that I'm glad I left behind is, is fear of man, at least not to the degree that I carried it before. I struggled with how other people thought about me and it it impacted the things that I wear and the choices that I made. I even did dreadful things, things that I regret, things that I've had to work through. And I did those things because of my insecurity. Uh, the biblical term for that, again, is fear of man. But being insecure, being shy, being introverted, being managed by the, by the opinions of other people is a horrendous thing that's happening. Well, it happens to all youth. It happens to all humans, but it seems to accentuate with the youth culture. And it is, it is just a, a super next-level contagion today, again, because of the way people consume so much information, trying to keep up with other people, comparing themselves to the Kardashians or whomever they compare themselves to, also being affected by the evangel these cultural evangelists who are manipulating and gaslighting our culture that this is the way, walk in it, when it's not the way at all. And people want to, insecure people want to glom on to whatever the fad or the contagion is. And as we are experiencing it in this culture today, uh, it is the transgender idolo uh, idolo uh, ideology 
that's happening in our culture that is just it is just uh, evangelistically uh, drawing people in by the masses when what they're going through is not it's not transgenderism uh, at all it is a social contagion that has been hyped up by the internet and the social media platforms and the algorithmic evangelists who are on the other side of those platforms that is is really dialed in to our insecurities and our shame that we experience that internal awkwardness of the soul I say these things for us older people is that we are not we don't combat those things like we did when we uh, were youthful and part of the reason for those of you who are Christians well you know why because uh, you have found an identity that is in Christ and that identity has situated you and stabilized your soul to where you don't you don't need those things you don't have to be cool anymore uh, you don't have to do what everybody else is doing. Now, there are ditches here, obviously. There are those who are so consumed with the culture or so consumed with what people think uh, think of them that they find themselves doing things that they may later regret, as I have. Uh, I, I, I smoked a lot of weed, for example, when I was a kid, and I, I did it because I wanted to belong to somebody. I, I drank a lot of alcohol as well. I didn't even like alcohol. Didn't like it then, don't like it today. Don't like the taste of it. It's not a spiritual thing. It's a physical thing, and I just don't care for it. But I did it anyway because I was concerned about what other people thought about me. And then in the other ditch is those who are apathetic. The biblical term for apathy, by the way, is biblical hate, where you just don't care anymore. And so we want to stay out of those two ditches. But for those of us who are maturing in Christ, then we have an identity that keeps us in this middle space as we move toward that celestial city, looking forward to to that time when we will be glorified in Christ and we will experience a, a perfect righteousness that's just not a positional that's been given to us, but it, it is definitive and practical. It will be our experience. And so we are not encumbered by those things. And those are two things that I appreciate about being older. I'm not omniscient anymore, and I don't struggle with fear of man so much. However, Growing old can be a dreadful experience for many of us. And I, I do understand that. I understand it maybe a couple of ways. One, because I am experiencing growing old and it's not perfect. And then also, uh, I've counseled many people who are entering into uh, older age and that has varying complexities uh, with them as they have to come to terms with their physicality and also with their spirituality. I do want to take just a, a moment here because I don't know who all will be listening to this or, or watching the video. Uh, it is recorded, by the way, in those two formats, and so you can uh, listen uh, on our podcast. You can also uh, watch the video. But the title of this is Practical Advice on Growing Older and Finishing Well. And if you hear about this somewhere on a Rumble platform or other place and you want to direct people to this talk, then I would just encourage you to go to lifeovercoffee.com. That's where I hang out. 
that is my coffee shop. That is our sanctification center. Most of our resources at Life Over Coffee are uh, free uh, to anyone that has access to the internet. And so I would love for you to take advantage of this and please share this, either the podcast or the video. Uh, but you can just share this link here, Practical Advice on Growing Older and Finishing Well. You can type Growing Older in the search box, uh, the, the magnifying glass at lifeovercoffee.com, and it'll come up for you. Or you can type Finishing Well, Growing Older or Finishing Well, and you will be able to find this because I want you to listen to the podcast or watch the video. And I would love for you to share uh, it uh, with others, especially those who, who are struggling. But I do want to insert here that if you are not a, a Christian, then that is, the, the Christian life is the best life that you can possibly have. It's not a life that means you will not suffer. As I was saying earlier, Paul was very clear to the Corinthians that we are wasting away. In Genesis 3-6, after Adam and Eve fell in the Garden of Eden, sin came upon all people, as Paul talked about in Romans. And because that sin came upon all of us, that we are cursed in that way, that we are totally depraved, that we are falling creatures, we are imperfect, and we need a Savior, and that is why Jesus Christ came. He died for our sins, and if we trust Jesus Christ, we receive an alien righteousness, is the theological term. It is a righteousness that is outside of our righteousness, and we receive His righteousness. And we get definitive sanctification, meaning we have everything that we need for life and godliness, but we will not experience the fullness of that until we get to heaven. And so salvation is getting in the door. It is, it is the walking across the threshold into the Christian experience. It doesn't mean that your life is going to be perfect or necessarily better in all ways because it won't. We still live in this body of death and we live among fallen people and so bad things are going to happen to all of us and everybody has their stories as I do too. However, to live well in a world of suffering, in suffering bodies, the best way to do that is to be in Christ, having his alien righteousness and having the hope that he offers in the future, that eschatological vision that we will step into uh, when we meet our Savior face to face. And so if you are growing older without Christ, then I would recommend that you get in Christ, that you be born again, because that is the best possible experience that you will ever have. The only question that you really have to answer in life, I mean, look, let me say it this way. The most important question that you will ever have to answer in your entire life is, is this. Is God's word true or false? That is really the first, foremost, that is the transcendent question that you have to ask. If you say that God's word is not true, then go on with your life. Live it how you want to live it. And I just, I hope the best for you. Uh, but I also believe that that would be an incredible detrimental and eventually an eternal mistake. 
But if you say that God's word is true, then you want to live your life the best you can shaped by God's word. Thus, the first question that you have to ask to begin this path in Christ or not, it hinges on the, the truthfulness, the veracity of God's word. Is the Bible true? If you say the Bible's true, then the Bible says that they were totally depraved that there is none righteous, no, not one. There's nobody that seeks after God. Nobody understands. We have all gone our own way, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And as Jesus told Nicodemus in 3.7 of John, that you must be born again. And so here's the question that you have to answer. Is God's word true or false? If you say it's false, then eat, drink, and be merry. Do as you wish. I do not recommend that at all. But if you say that God's word is true, then we want to follow what God's word teaches as best we can by the grace of God as he enables us to do so. And step number one is to be born again. That is the best possibility of living old well and also finishing well. But with that said, everyone's experience of growing old is different. And so I know in this little talk that I cannot cover all the, the spheres of old age and, and everybody's experience because we are different. But I trust that I can motivate some that I can motivate a few of you. And I, I trust for those of you who are even younger that haven't experienced the, the, old, uh, the blessedness of old age and in some ways the uh, despairing times of old age, uh, that you would consider sharing this and encouraging someone with compassion that you help them as they walk through. Recognize that there are certain temptations to the older set that we can fall into. We are, we're not at some place to where we are beyond temptation. Uh, I remember having a conversation with Jerry Bridges. Uh, he, he's a, a, a known Christian author who passed away a few years ago. And us young bucks were sitting around a, a, a table at lunch and we asked him, said, Jerry, uh, when, when would we, when is the time in your life when you're no longer tempted to sin? And he said, uh, I don't know. I mean, I have no idea. I'll let you know when I get there. Now, he was answering in a tongue-in-cheek way, but it was an honest way. And what he was really saying as we continued the conversation is that day does not exist in this life. The day that when we cease being tempted to sin will be the day that we are dead. And so old people have not come to some utopian state in their lives where they're not tempted uh, to the, the degradation and the fallout of fallenness. And due to our fallenness, there are some common tripwires that can catch all of us if we're not careful. And so what I want to do here is I want to share just a, a few 10, uh, 10 common tripwires that can snag old people like me. And so again, if you are a young person, I pray that your day will come and that you'll be like us, the older set. 
But until that time comes, would you encourage an older person today? Would you do life over coffee with them? I mean, that's the heart of our ministry. Uh, we believe that any two people can come together over coffee and work through their issues. Now, we, you young people, you want to learn from the old people, but don't think that the old people are unencumbered by sin. Uh, no, there are those tripwires, and you want to be an encouragement, too. Don't despise your youth, Timothy, as Paul was telling his young protege. As God has given you the, the wisdom of whatever your years and whatever your experience has been, would you share that with an older person? Come, up, come, up, come alongside them and to encourage them. Share your knowledge and your wisdom with them, especially your compassion, and then also practically how you can help them as well. And so I trust your day will come. And But as that, until that day gets here, uh, come alongside the older people and help them uh, do life over coffee. Now, we have had a number of people that have asked about life over coffee and what we are about, particularly on the merchandise side, because we do have uh, merchandise in our store. And one of the questions that has been asked is, uh, well, where can we get that coffee, the Life Over Coffee coffee. And well, here it is. This is what uh, it looks like. And if you're interested, just go to our store. If you can't find it, uh, just write us. Go to the footer of our website at lifeovercoffee.com and say, hey, I'm interested in your coffee. Tell me more about it. Again, if you don't find it in the store, and I would love for you to order a bag. Uh, it's great as a holiday gift. It's also great for birthdays and, and just calls uh, because you have a friend. And, and maybe you can order a bag of Life Over Coffee and, and send it to that old person in your life and say, Hey, uh, I want you to enjoy this. This is a ministry that we appreciate. And I'd love for you to have a, a bag of coffee. On the back, there's a, a nice Bible verse in Matthew 11, uh, 28. Uh, you know this verse, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and, and I would give you rest. And so, again, you can find our coffee at lifeovercoffee.com. Now, here's a pro tip that I, I like to say, that as you go through this coffee, save the bag and either fill it with your own preferred coffee or fill it with sand or fill it with rocks and keep the bag, keep it on your table, on your uh, counter. So when people come to your home, they ask you what Life Over Coffee is. There's a QR code right on the back. You can put your phone over it. It will take you right to lifeovercoffee.com. But again, this is our coffee that people ask about. It also, uh, you can get uh, several kinds of Yetis. Here are two of our tall Yetis here. Here's one in sea glass and uh, green, and here's one in, in black as well. They have two different tops. They have this top for the straw that you can put in, and then they also have this flip top that's standard that most of you are familiar with. There is a smaller version in pearl. Uh, and again, it's this size here. I'm showing these to you because I'm trying to kill a couple birds with one stone. We get asked so many questions and we try to communicate uh, not to, it's, it's not to sell merchandise per se as much as trying to ask, answer questions. We just want to serve 
people, we sell these almost at cost. And so we, we sell them as low as we possibly can to get them shipped out because it's more about you having them and telling people about this ministry because people have benefited so much by it. And we want as many people to know about lifeovercoffee.com as we possibly can. And so our merchandise is just one way uh, that you can be blessed by it and also you can bless others. All right, so this is episode 493. I've titled it Practical Advice on Growing Older and Finishing Well. And I want to share 10 tips with you. And and this is not necessarily uh, in any kind of order. And then what also I, I would ask you just to take whichever ones apply to you and then work through them because all of them want, but all of them do apply to growing older. Number one, the empty nest is a season of life after the kids are gone where a couple has to deal with things that they may have neglected when the children were around. This is something that initially it surprised me when I started doing counseling back in the late 90s is that I was seeing couples that They've been married for 35 years, and after 35 years of marriage, they would get a divorce, and that was perplexing because it seems to me after 35 years, you've worked out everything that you... There's nothing new under the sun. There's nothing new in this marriage. But actually, there was a, a little bit of a twist on that. The problem is, is that they haven't been working out all of the snags and wrinkles in their lives. They've been setting them aside. They've been kicking the can down the road, not dealing with anything. As they consume their lives with whatever work, vocation was going on with the couple and with whatever's going on in the kids' lives, and we can distract ourselves. I find that often true when God is uh, impressing upon my heart to pray I can find many other things to do other than pray. When it comes to the spiritual disciplines, maybe there's a spiritual discipline in your life, like praying or fasting or evangelism or reading the Bible. Maybe there's something that's just not at your top, at the top of your favorite list. And when it's time to do that, maybe confess a sin to a friend, maybe go and reconcile with someone and work through conflict resolution. And what you do, what I have done, the temptation to do is to kick the can down the road and find something else to do. I mean, you can actually do that and spiritualize it. You know, I can start vacuuming the floor or washing the dishes or, or doing something practical around the house. And it's like, I am doing a good thing. I'm serving my wife. In reality, I'm avoiding something that God wants me to do. Well, couples can do that, do this in their marriages for multiple decades. They just keep kicking the can down the road. They keep ignoring the spiritual responsibility that is before them. As James is saying loud and clearly in 417, that if you know to do good and do not do it, it is sin. And so not only the sin that has happened is being avoided, but the very avoidance of it is a sin, and so it is a twofer. It is the sin that has happened, and now it's the complicating problem added on top of that, which is the avoidance of dealing with the sin. And now you imagine that going on for 10 years and 20, and now the third decade and three decades and a half, and now we've been married for 35 years and the nest is empty, and I turn around and there you are, and I got carpal tunnel syndrome. 
meaning I kept doing the same thing over and over again, avoiding, 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 not dealing with, not dealing with, not dealing with the sin issue. And now there is this this mega traumatic event. There's so much stuff pushed under the rug that we can't even get through the living room anymore. But we have ignored it because we live distracted lives, buried in our jobs, buried in children. And so what happens as we get older, we have this empty nest season where many of our distractions are gone altogether or they are limited and we have more time on our hands than we've ever had before. And so that person that you struggled with and those things that you've never worked through are now front and center, HDTV, Technicolor, and you can't avoid it any longer. And so this is something that we do have to have an honest conversation about because then it's like, well, they got a divorce and everybody's perplexed and they're looking around like, how in the world did that happen? They look like the ideal couple. Well, actually, the person that you have been looking at in your church meeting all of those years is the representative of this couple. You've never seen the real couple. You do not know the real couple. You just know their representatives, their public persona that they put out into the public space that everybody is familiar with, everybody loves, but there's been no depth of insight. There's been no investigative reporting. There's been no discovery. There's been no intrusiveness in their lives, and now it's coming out because they can't even keep it under the rug anymore because the nest is now empty, and it's apparent to them, and it's becoming apparent to others. And so there has to be some questions that we need to ask. We can do it carefully. We can do it with compassion, but we have to do it with courage and competence as well. We know that they are not entirely sanctified. And so just asking one more question beyond how are you doing? One more question that has a depth of insight that's not judging anyone uncharitably, but loving someone charitably to ask a question that can, can help maybe just pull that one thread that will cause this thing to appropriately unravel to the point to where maybe we could come alongside and help them to put that together again because they haven't done well. And again, that's the temptation of all of us. It's not an uncharitable judgment on anyone because we all have the temptation to hide, to isolate, to hide behind fig leaves, but there is a particular season in our lives when we become older where hiding is not, it's not possible anymore, and that is the emptiness season. And so if you are a couple and that you're in that place, then I would just appeal to you to get help. Say, hey, this is where we are. Perhaps sharing this podcast or sharing this video with a pastor or with a competent disciple maker and say, hey, would you watch this? Point number one, the empty nest is a season of life after the kids are gone where the couple has to deal with things that they may have neglected when the children were around and vocations were keeping us busy. Would you watch this, and particularly that point, number one, and then we need your help because we want to work through some things that we have avoided for a long time. Again, this is practical advice on growing older and finishing well. Number two, and maybe this is the most important thing that I want to say, obviously what I led with, point number one, is very heavy. But I say that because if I didn't say it, I, I, I would be sinning since it's so obvious. And you know it's obvious, too. You have enough mental clarity. You have enough spiritual insight to know that we avoid problems. 
And so as you connect the dot and you think, well, if we avoid problems, what happens to the couple that avoids problems for 35 or 40 years? Well, there's a lot of water under that bridge. And again, I know that's dark and I know that it's heavy, but we have to say the quiet part aloud. I mean, who knows? God may, God may be gracious to that couple and he may grant repentance to them. And wouldn't you want to be part of God's restoration team? As you connect with God and, and cooperate with him in the restoration of a couple, don't assume that people like me have it all together. That is a lie. Or that any other old person has it all together. That is a lie. And so we don't want to judge them uncharitably, and we do not want to be simpletons, uh, uh, simpletons either. We want to walk in wisdom, and wisdom says, that we all are imperfect and that we all need help. And some people will kick that can down the road. And so it's important that I make that point. But maybe the one that I really want to highlight is point number two. And I want you to hear this loud and clear. God is a finisher. God is a finisher. For those of you who are older, elderly, and you're just struggling, and you can struggle physically, you can struggle spiritually. I, I want you to have an eschatological understanding that there is a future for you, and it is a bright, it is a beautiful future. God will finish what he has begun. You know the verse. You know it very, you know it very well. Philippians 1.6. What God started whenever he started that with you, and I'm speaking specifically of regeneration, salvation. What God started with you, he is going to, he's going to finish. That's, that's the heart, that's the idea of Philippians 1.6. And it is as accurate now as it was the first time that you read it. And I know some of you will be struggling uh, uh, physically, and I get that. For those of you who have followed our ministry for any amount of time, you, you know that I, I struggle physically. I have been for multiple decades now, specifically in my, in my back. And it, it just hurts. Uh, it hurts all the time. It's never not hurting. When I wake up in the morning, it hurts. When I go to bed at night, it hurts. It hurts right now. And I, I don't say that in a, in a grumbling or complaining way. Uh, because I'm not, but I'm, but I'm stating a reality uh, to you. Uh, I, I started stretching, uh, doing some specific kind of stretching exercises uh, about three or four weeks ago. And as I told my instructor that after two or three sessions, that now I'm able to uh, put my shoes on without laying down in bed. Uh, which is actually remarkable because I haven't been able to do that in, in three years. Every morning I, I would get up and lay down in, in the bed and put my shoes on. That's how I put my shoes. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> this is what old people do. This is how I put my, put my shoes on. Most mornings it would take an hour to get out of bed because I, I would want to stretch and twist and, and just try to mitigate the pain as much as I, I could. 
And then you say, well, why don't you take ibuprofen? And well, I, I, I did for years. And so, you know, as Thomas Sowell said, that everything is a, a trade-off. And so the trade-off is, is I have ulcers in my stomach. I could have, I don't. I have ulcers in my stomach and my back pain be mitigated. Or I have back pain and, and, and not have ulcers. And so I, I try not to ever take any kind of medication whatsoever. And so I don't take uh, ibuprofen and, and other type medicines. And so it's like there's another way of doing this. And so I've been working through these stretching exercises, which has been a tremendous help. Welcome to the world of old age. And I know many of you just understand that so well. Uh, I watched my uh, grandmother as she almost made it to 99 years of age. And, and I understood in a theoretical way that you can get to a point in your life to where you're, you're really welcome. Uh, heaven, meaning you welcome death, because sometimes the pain can be uh, so high and it can be accentuated in, in such a, a way that you, you do want to. Uh, you look forward to that moment when there will be no more pain and no more sorrow and no more tears. But this is what I want you to know, uh, that God is a finisher. And if you're struggling physically with, with pain, as I have been describing here, then reach out to someone. And find that help. But also know that people struggle spiritually as well. We have shaping influences, things that have happened to us in our past. And we can drag those shaping influences throughout the decades. There's a cementing, setting stage in all of our lives. It's the first decade of our lives. And you'll find this with older people who have dementia or Alzheimer's that uh, many times they will talk about the first 10 years of their lives that they, they remember with such clarity because that's that cementing st stage in their lives. There's a psychological, uh, physiological reason for that, and I won't get into that, but I'm just saying that if bad things happen to you, for example, in the early years, the first 10 or 20 years of your life, you spend the rest of your life trying to work through it and overcome this, the, the spiritual abnormalities, the spiritual deficits that are created in, in your life. And because we're not perfected, we can drag those shaping influences throughout our lives and, and still be hindered by those things even in our old age. The point here is that there could be uh, physical struggles that we have and spiritual struggles that we have. And I want you to hear that God is a finisher. What he has promised, as we hear in Philippians 1.6, is just as accurate now as when you first read it many years ago. Number three, the temptation to stare in the rearview mirror of regret is a trap that can envelop the disappointed soul. As you get older, uh, Lucia and I actually talk about our uh, old age in mathematically, we talk about it uh, as decades, uh, in chunks, in decades. When you're younger, you can talk about what happened last week, last month, last year. As you get older, you have so many yesterdays and so many weeks and so many months and so many years, you have to cluster them uh, together, chunk them together. And so we talk about in decades. And so typically we'll say, hey, uh, you remember when we were, yeah, I remember that. That was about, it was 10 years ago. That's our standard line. No matter what we talk about, no matter what we did in our past, 
It was 10 years ago. It's always 10, it's always 10 years ago. One, because time flies. And then two, it's just easier to remember things in decades than it is days. And it's almost always at least 10 years ago. But as you stare in the rearview mirror and you have these chunks of time and you have multiple decades that you're looking at, obviously you're going to have regret. It, it is a part of our humanity because we can't live every day perfectly. We can't live every day not disappointing somebody. We can't live every day making no mistakes whatsoever. And so there will be an accumulation of mistakes and sins and disappointments, and it's going to form this mound of regret. And when we look in the rearview mirror, the temptation is going to be strong that can lead us into disappointment. And this is where we want to be careful. You see, we're always going to be managed by, we're always going to live in the parallel, rather, of sovereignty and suffering. Or maybe in the context of this point here, we're always going to live in the context of, of sovereignty and regret. Regret is a form of suffering. We always live in that parallel. Now, the question that we have to answer is, which one's going to be on top? What's going to manage us? Will it be the sovereignty of God or will it be the regret in our lives? You, we can't do away with either one of those, but only one of those will dominate us. We can't serve two masters. We will only serve one. And so we want to serve sovereignty and not serve regret. And so if you struggle with regret and if you have the parallel upside down where regret is running along the top and sovereignty is smaller, or diminutive in your life, then the narrative needs to be flipped. That no matter what the bad things are, did you know that God can use sin sinlessly? The gospel is a beautiful picture of God using sin, the sinfulness of humanity. As Peter said in his great sermon in Acts chapter number 2, you put him to death. Well, that is a true statement. Humanity put Jesus Christ to death. That was a sinful event. But did you also know that in Isaiah 53, it says it pleased the Lord to crush him. God was there too. God promised that there would be a gospel. The gospel is Jesus Christ. He is the good news. And the gospel had to come a certain way. And the gospel had to die on a cross so the gospel could be resurrected so that we could be redeemed. God can use sin sinlessly. And so as we stare in the rearview mirror of our lives. Yeah, we're going to see regret, but we need to take those thoughts captive so that we're not managed by the regret of our lives. We don't want the regret to go away, not necessarily, because it's in those moments of our mistakes that we see the goodness of God in ways that we can never see the goodness of God without those mistakes. And so God uses sin sinlessly, and so even though regret's there, so is God. And so if you remove regret, then you remove the grace of God. And so we have to live in the parallel. It's messy. It's not neat. Sin never is. But we have to live in the parallel, and we have
have to determine which one is going to manage us, sovereignty or suffering or sovereignty or regret. We can live beautifully in the tension of both as long as sovereignty is managing our hearts and lives. So number three, the temptation is to stare into the rearview mirror of regret, a trap that can envelop a disappointed soul, which rolls right into point number four. One of the side effects of regret and disappointment is to become a victim, a victim mindset. And this is the ultimate danger. If regret lingers too long in our souls, then we become a victim to the things that have happened to us. Now, it is one thing to be victimized in a moment for a short period of time. That happens to all of us. You're at a traffic light and somebody runs into you and does damage to your car. And maybe you have a mild whiplash to where you have to see a chiropractor. You can get over that in 30 days or however long it is. That's a short period of time. Uh, most of the disappointments that happen in our lives. I mean, we are victimized by bad stuff all the time. But to stay a victim for a long period of time, that is the danger. And if we live in regret and disappointment for an extended period of time, then we are long-term victims. Did you know that the word victim a from an etym etymological study of the word victim is the word vicarious. See, the word victim means to carry sin. Jesus was the vicarious sufferer. He carried sin. He carried our sin. We cast our sin upon him. We cast our burdens upon him. He is the only one that is built to be a victim long term. He is the only one that is built to be a vicarious sufferer. We are not built to be victims in the long term. Oh, we can be victimized for a week or two or a month or 90 days as we work through what happened to us. But if victimization settles in for the long haul, our psyche, our souls, like a container, our souls cannot carry the victimization long term. That's why we have a Savior. That's why He came and died to take all of our sin, to forgive us of our sin, past, present, and future. And then when other people sin against us, then we want to cast that sin on Christ. My father, for example, was an abusive drunk. He never cleaned that up. He died in 1978. He was not a Christian. I didn't become a Christian until 1984, six years after he died. And so we could never clean up the sin. But I did not want to be a long-term sin carrier of his sin. And so I asked God to give me the grace to work through it so that I could have a heart of forgiveness toward him. And God gave me that heart of forgiveness to where I was no longer incarcerated by what he did to me. By the way, if you want to read about that, then I would appeal to you to go to lifeovercoffee.com and that you look for the article, The Reason I Stopped Hating My Dad. In that article, The Reason I Stopped Hating My Dad, I walked through how I became unincarcerated by the things that he did to me because I could not be a long-term victim either to my sin or his. But what happens if you live a long time, the accruement of our sin or other people's sin, it can settle into our psyche, into our souls. 
and now we are we are a container that's carrying something that we're not built to carry and that's why we have a Christ and so we want to learn how to carry that sin to Christ so that he can carry that sin from this point forward if you are carrying the effects of regret or disappointment and you don't know how to take those thoughts captive you don't know how to cast that on Christ then I would encourage you to to talk to someone uh, who can help you walk through so that you can be free. Whom the Son has set free, He is free indeed. And Christ can free you from carrying sin, whether it's yours or what other people have done for to you. We cannot be vicarious sufferers. Again, vicarious and victim are synonymous. There's only one person who has the ability to carry the sin of the world. And whatever sin you are carrying that you have done or others have done to you, learn how to cast it upon him. Number five, as we grow older, it will be a temptation for the legalist to say, if I had only done and then fill in the blank, Things would have been, uh, things would be different. The legalist would say, if I had only done fill in the blank and things would be different, that's the mindset that supplants sovereignty. You see, one of the places where this really affects older people is parents and grandparents. As parents look at their children's lives and they see their lives spiraling out of control, spinning out of control, or they see them making decisions that are anti-Christ. They're no longer walking with Christ. Parents can take on the guilt of that. And then they will take on a legalist mindset. Meaning, as they look in the mirror of regret, they will say, if I'd only done this, if I'd only done that. Do you hear what you're saying? If you had done that, then they will have changed. If you had done that, then they will be transformed. If you had done that, then they will be walking with Christ. No, no, no. If, if, if they are transformed, it will be because of the grace of God. If they are transformed, it will be because God granted repentance to them. Our, we, uh, uh, what we did uh, with our children uh, is not greater than God's grace. Our sin is what I'm trying to say. Our sin is not greater than God's grace. Now, maybe there's some things that we did wrong. Maybe there's some things that you did wrong with your children. Uh, as we grow older, we become wiser, and m many do. And we realize, wow, if I had children now, I would do it so differently. And that is the temptation. But we didn't do it differently because we weren't older when we were younger. And now that we are older, we look back and say, if I had only done this, my children would be different. My children would love God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. That is the heart of the legalist, meaning my works is the most important thing of all. If anybody loves God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength, it is because of the grace of God. Now, again, like with most things, there are two ditches here. And one ditch says that my works matter most of all. That's the heart of the legalist. And the other ditch is presumption, where you just take grace for granted. And it doesn't matter what I do. Both of those ditches are wrong. But the loving person, the caring person, will almost always fall in the ditch of the legalist because they care so much that they overcare, overthink, and overpenalize themselves and become legalistic in their mindset because they look through the rearview mirror. They not only see regret and disappointment, but they see the effect of maybe some of the decisions that they made in their lives on their children. But ultimately... What you're saying, I mean, what that
that person would be saying, not only uh, if I had done different, but that makes their children a victim. And so that would be like me standing before God saying, God, I rejected you because my daddy was an alcoholic and an abusive person. No, I, if I had rejected God, I would have rejected God. It is all on me, and I cannot use my parents as an excuse for rejecting God. And so we don't want to have the heart of the legalist. Now, perhaps there are some things that you need to do differently. Maybe there's a conversation that you need to have with a child, then go to that child and say, hey, I messed up here, and here's how I messed up, and would you forgive me? But don't push it so far that you put their decisions, their disobedience, their lack of following Christ on you, because that would mean that you are greater than God, that what you did or did not do is greater than all His grace. Number six, your life is not over. So share the wisdom that God has given you with the strength that you have and the opportunities that are before you. Your life is not over. God has not taken you home. Stay in the game. I remember talking to a 90-year-old lady in Colorado a number of years ago, and she was asking me the transgender question. And before I answered the question, I said, I have a question for you. How old are you? As, and again, with many old people, they're not stuck on themselves. And so I felt like I had the liberty to be able to ask such an intrusive, inappropriate question. And she wasn't stuck on herself, and she was glad to answer it. I'm 90 years old. She said 89 or 90. I can't remember. She said she was old, really old. And uh, I was just refreshed, and I told her so. It's like, wow, you're, you're, you're 90 or you're, you're whatever it is, and you're still in the game. You're still in the game. You're giving your life. You have something to give. And she told me two things I'll never forget. One, she said, I have grandchildren. That explains why she was asking the transgender question. She has grandchildren. She also said, I miss my husband. And I'm looking forward to seeing him in heaven someday. And so she had joy and she had sorrow. She was in the game, but she longed for heaven. Her life was not over. And so she was given what she, she was given. She was giving out what she got from God. You give out what you got from God. The game's not over. Stay in the game in whatever way that you can. And I know that will be different for different people, whether it's an email or a phone call. Do not despise the little thing, but do what you can to be an encouragement to help because God has you here and he's not done with you yet. Even a smile uh, can be a huge lift to some soul. And so where can you be, Jesus? How can you be Jesus? And do not despise the little thing. Do not compare your widow's might with what maybe somebody else is doing. Give what you got. Stay in the game. Be Jesus to whomever you can. Number seven, be cautious about consuming too much media, especially that which differs from your past. God did not build, and what I mean by that is that those of us who are older can look at our country, for example, and, and then see the media of today, the news of the day, and it's like, this is not my America. That's how I say it. This America is not my America. I can look multiple generations back and know how I came up as a child, and it's like, this is not my America, and that is a danger. Uh, 
Be cautious about consuming too much media, especially that which differs from your past generation as you compare where we are today with where we were. God did not build you to be omniscient. Not only can we not be victims, our psyche, our soul, that our spiritual container, our soul container, cannot carry sin. As I said earlier, we also cannot carry omniscience. I led with talking about being omniscient in a tongue-in-cheek way when I was younger. The truth is nobody's omniscient. But when we get older, omniscience can come back in a different way. And that omniscience can come because we have more time in our hands, and so we're consuming too much media, and now we're filling up our omniscient cup again as though we can be omniscient. We can't. And so whether you're a 19-year-old know-it-all, as I was, or if you are a 74-year-old person who is consuming too much information, you're not omniscient at 19, and you can't be omniscient at 74. So stop spending all of your time filling up your brain with information, especially information that's going to drag you down. That's like an addict. Just keep just keeping the, their, the, the needle in their arm. We're not built to take in all of this information. Find a trusted resource uh, that you, uh, a resource that you trust and, and just keep apprised of what's going on, but not, a, not an IV to your arm because we're not built to be omniscient. Number eight, choose to live in a community with others resisting loneliness. I have to wrap up here but choose to live in a community resisting loneliness. And again, if you are loneliness, and I'm talking about a loneliness even when you're in a crowd. There's, there's physical loneliness when you're by yourself and nobody's around, but there is a deeper loneliness that you're lonely inside of a crowd. And so if you're there, just raise your hand. And that leads to number nine. Don't think that you're bothering others. You see, they won't know how you might suffer if you don't tell them. And you don't want to sabotage the blessing that they might receive uh, by helping you. And so don't fall for the, I'm just a bother trap. Now, I, I know there's, there's the nag and the complainer. That's another issue. They're just grumbling. Okay, that, that needs to be... That old person needs to be confronted. You're just a complainer and a grumbler. But there's another kind of person that will suffer silently. And they may even have this excuse. I don't want to be a bother. No, be a bother. Don't think that you're bothering others. And that's why I framed it this way. Don't sabotage the blessing that they might receive by helping you. Let them receive the blessing of God by helping you, <coughs> excuse me, but they won't be able to do that. Excuse me. They won't be able to do that unless you say something. And then finally, number 10. See, this is what happens with old people. <coughs> they get scratchy throats. But if you have a <coughs> life over coffee, Conversation for Transformation Yeti. It will solve a scratchy throat. And you'll be able to finish your podcast. 
So go to our store, get these nice Yetis. You can get a tall one if you have a super scratchy throat. <clears throat> and uh, you can finish whatever it is that you started. Kind of like what Paul said in Philippians 1.6. What God has begun, he will complete. If you have a life over coffee, Yeti, what you have begun, you will complete. Point number 10, keep an eschatological viewpoint in the hope of no more guilt and no more pain. And I want to finish with this, even though I talked about guilt and pain earlier. And an eschatological viewpoint is keeping heaven in mind. There will be no more pain, no more guilt, no more scratchy throats in heaven. <coughs> I'm keeping this in the video on purpose. I'm not going to edit it out because this is a part of fallenness. And in a weak and feeble way, an unintended way, it ties into the message. But I know that many of you struggle with guilt and shame. If you're old, you probably struggle with pain as well. Keep an eschatological, a future viewpoint. There'll be no more guilt in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. There'll be no more pain, sorrow, tears, scratchy throats. Keep an eschatological viewpoint. If you want to listen, read, or share uh, this resource, then go to lifeovercoffee.com. I have some questions at the end. I have uh, five. Due to time, I'm not going to share them with you. But if you would like to read through these questions and make practical applications, then go to lifeovercoffee.com. Look for practical advice on growing old and finishing well. Thank you so much. And I have finished well. God bless. Thanks for joining us. Learn more and get access to other resources at lifeovercoffee.com.